Amen, amen. You could be seated. Well, good morning. Who's excited to be here today? Come on, you excited to be here? I'm excited to be here. Hopefully, you're excited to be here. I tell you, hopefully, you had an unbelievable Thanksgiving. I know my family and I, we had an awesome, awesome Thanksgiving. I'm still praying for low-fat chocolate pie. Can I get a witness, anybody? If you can invent that, I'm telling you what, I love chocolate pie. Hands down, hands down, I hope that they serve uh, chocolate pie when we get to heaven. I just want that. And I hope it's from Rutabaker because Rutabaker chocolate pie is phenomenal. That's my favorite. Love it. It's amazing. And so hopefully they're serving that with no calories, right? Come on now. No calories when we get to heaven. Man, it's so good to see you guys. I'm telling you, I'm so excited about today's message. It's kind of a standalone coming off Thanksgiving. And then we get right into Black Friday. Black Friday is not even Black Friday anymore. It's like a black week, right? I mean, it's like no longer just a Friday deal. It's like it starts on Monday. Sunday now and goes through Sunday. You know, isn't it amazing? I don't know about you guys. I think Black Friday's a scam. I really do. Is it not amazing? Like one day of the week or, or year, we get like this discount, and for 364 days or the other, they're ripping us off. If you notice that, right? Like, how did you sell this so cheap now? Like, what's so magical about this day? I just, I don't know. Personally, I just think it's it's a scam. So I, I boycotted not it by anything uh, on this Black Friday. And that's just because I forgot about doing or buying anything. Really, I was just having too much fun hanging out with family, eating chocolate pie. It was really, it was a really good Thanksgiving. But you know, one day you're thankful, right? We're thankful for everything. And then the next day we're fighting over stuff and wish for stuff that we really don't even need. <laughs> Is that not amazing? Let's put the, a greedy day right after a thankful day, right? Or a selfish day right after a thankful day for we could get things for ourselves, but hey, you know what? That's just kind of the world that we live in. And one of the things that I'm noticing, even across the world, and and not even in our own and in, in our own lives, is that it's honestly a lot of people just ain't grateful anymore. Like we're not just grateful anymore. We we live in this entitlement society that everything is owed to you, that you deserve like everything. So we're not even thankful anymore. Like we're not even grateful uh, for the blessings that we get. And, and I can't speak for every single person, obviously, but a lot of times we're just not even thankful and grateful for just even the little, even the small things that we have. And I don't know about you, but my mama always taught me to be thankful for what you got. Even though we didn't have much, but we had something, right? So just to be thankful for what you have. And today I got a story I want to share with you from the Bible. Grab your books, your Bible. Go to Luke chapter 17. And Luke chapter 17, this is a story. It's probably not you would think like a thankful, a thanksgiving message in a sense. Uh, but there is some gratitude lessons I want, to, I want to share with you in Luke chapter 17 and talk about grace to gratitude this morning. So if you're ready to get started, say let's go. Come on, Gracie Campus. I want to hear you through that camera. You better say, let's go. I didn't hear him, but anyway, that's that a good try. So you scream all the way from Gracie. So here we go. Here we go. Luke chapter 17. We're going to walk through this. We're going to stop for a moment. We're going to uh, learn a little bit, and then we're going to take communion together. If you're visiting from another church with us, we want to welcome you, whether you're online or in person today. Uh, if you are watching online right now, I'm just giving you a heads up. At the end of this, we're going to be doing a communion together. So if you want to, you know, pause and grab you some juice and bread, you can celebrate communion with us. But we'll get with that just in a moment. Luke 17, let's go, verse 11. As Jesus continued towards Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. So we know this. If you've been around before, Jews and Samaritans do not get along. They hate each other, all this stuff. Galilee was where, you know, 11 of the disciples were called for from Galilee. And uh, one wasn't. We'll let you guess who the one that wasn't from Galilee who turned on Jesus. But you have Galilee and Samaria. Jesus right on the border. They hate each other. He's right on like the line. 
And as he entered the little village that's close there, 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So let's stop. Jesus is on his way. He's on, right on the border of a line where they're, they're, you know, it's like the Hatfield and McCoys. I'm telling you, I used to live right there between them in Mate One, West Virginia. I lived there for a long time. And so you got Hatfields, you got the McCoys. They kind of hate each other. You got the Jews, you got the Samaritans. There's a little small town. Jesus stops right there in between these two towns. And there are 10 people standing at a distance, screaming at Jesus, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us because they had leprosy. So the first thing you notice here, they're practicing social distancing. Did you notice that in the story? See, y'all think social distancing is something that we came up with. They've been practicing social distancing for a very, very long time. In fact, in the Talmud, which is the book of the law that the Jews go by, back then, 2,100 years ago, anyone with leprosy, actually goes dated further back than that, anyone with leprosy must remain six feet away, minimum, from anybody else. You see, they've been practicing social distancing for a very, very, very long time. So here's people, if you have leprosy, you're not allowed to enter in the village. You can't enter to the city. You can't go to the synagogue. You can't go to the temple. You have to stand back and stay away from everyone. Why? Because you have leprosy. And so at this point, you can imagine if you had leprosy, you're cut off from your family, you're cut off from your friends, and you're cut off from church. Some of you, a lot of us, we've been there. We've been cut off from our families because of what's going on in the world. We've been cut off from our friends. Some of us have been cut off from church for a very long time, all because of what's happening around us. And they begin to cry out, have mercy. But I want you to notice what they say, Jesus, Jesus, master, have mercy. That's very important. See, Jesus means God of salvation. It means to save. Come from the Hebrew word Joshua. It means to save, a deliverer, to deliverance, to save. Jesus is a savior. That's why he's called a savior, right? A savior is born. His name will be Emmanuel, God with us. Next week, we'll talk about Jesus. They said, hey, savior. And then they said, master. Now, what's master mean? Master means I'll do whatever you tell me to do because you're my master, right? Whatever you tell me to do, I will do because you are my master. So they said, Savior, we will do whatever you tell us to do. Just heal us. Just have mercy on us. Because if you are someone with leprosy and you have a family, no longer can you embrace your wife anymore. No longer can you pick up your children and kiss them anymore. No longer can you go to the temple and offer up sacrifices and worship your God anymore. You're talking about being an outcast in society. You talk about being distanced from everybody else. It was required by law. So if you wanted to be around any of your family or friends or get back into the house of worship, you had to be healed. You had to be cleansed. And for the record, most people were never healed of leprosy. They actually died with it and died from it. So now they're standing at the city gates Jesus, have mercy, save us, master, we'll do, just name it. Whatever you want us to do, we will do it. Whatever it takes to get healed, we want to be healed. See, a lot of times we say Jesus, we don't say master. Jesus, thank you for saving me. But boy, you ain't gonna be the master of my life. I'll go where I want to go to school. I'll date who I want to date. I'll marry who I want to marry. I'll take whatever job that I want to take a job. Don't touch about my money. I'll spend my money how I want to do my money. Thank you for saving me, taking me to heaven. But you ain't going to be my master. You're not going to be my Lord. And I'm here to tell you, if he is your savior, he wants to be and has to be your master. So will you allow him to have control of your life? Even these pagans who are far 
from him, socially even far from him, realize that he is the master. And if you're gonna save me, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. See, a lot of times we get this backwards. We never call him master. We just call him savior. But Jesus wants to be the Lord of your life. He wants to be the Lord of your relationships, the Lord of your finances, the Lord of, of everything that you do in your life. He wants to be the middle and the Lord of your family, of your marriage, and all these things. So don't just be grateful that he just saved us. Just be thankful that he wants to be the master and direct our lives. Verse 14, he looked at them and he said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Now, this is fascinating. Luke, not Luke, Leviticus chapter 14 says this. If you have leprosy, it's part of the law. You have to, if you for somehow miraculously was healed from leprosy, you have to go to the priest. The priest examines you. The priest would check you out. The priest gave you your diagnosis if you're gonna be healed or not healed. But the, here's the catch. You had to be healed to go to the priest. You had to show no signs of symptoms. You had to show, show that there's nothing going on with you, your body or your skin disease that they could see. So the priest would examine you and say, we believe that God has miraculously healed you from leprosy. You now have been reinstated into the family. You can go see your wife. You can go see your kids. You can go to church now. You can go to the temple. We have now dropped the gauntlet. You have been healed. So Jesus says, do you want to be healed? Start walking. Where you want us to go? Go to the priest. There's a caveat here. I first have to be healed to go to the priest. Jesus, look at me. I still have leprosy all over my body. I've not been healed yet. That's why I'm so thankful for this verse. Did you see what it says? As they were going, they were healed. They weren't healed. They were sent with leprosy. Jesus says, go. Like, really? Go show. We're not, we're not healed yet. All right, come on, Bartholomew, let's go. And they're walking. Could you imagine? They're walking. And as they are walking, guess what begins to happen? The spots begin to go away from their skin. They begin a little, little bit more pep in their step. They begin to realize that something was transforming on their body physically as they were going. See, some of you right now, you're waiting for God to do something. And God is waiting on you just to take the next step. He's just waiting for you to go. He's already told you to go. He said, I'm just waiting on you. So many of you think, I'm just waiting on God. God's like, I'm waiting on you. Get going, get moving. Start taking the next step towards me. Start taking to the next step towards obedience in your life. See, so this thing that's fascinating, it says, as they were going, they were healed. It was their faith, their faith that led to their obedience. You see, real faith will be shown by your obedience. Now imagine, you have leprosy all over your body. Jesus, have mercy on me. Jesus says, well, you know the law. Go show yourself to the priest. If the priest says you're healed, you're healed. Jesus, wait a second. I'm not healed. I'm not healed. So you're telling me I gotta walk all the way down to Jerusalem. I gotta walk all the way down to the temple. I gotta go all the way to the priest and knock on the door and say, look at me, I'm healed. Well, I'm not going till you heal me. You see, they had so much faith that Jesus was master. They said, come on, let's go. And even though they were not healed, they took the step of faith, of obedience, to believe that God was gonna do what he said he was gonna do. See, if you really have faith, you show it by your obedience. If you really are faithful, you will see it in your obedience. You'll see it as you begin to obey God when God tells you to do something. And God always speaks to us. Verse 15. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, 
Praise God, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. And then the Bible wants us to know, Jesus wants to know that this man was a Samaritan. Now, this is very important, right? Jesus, on the, he's on the border right here, Samaria and Galilee. He's right on the border, and there's 10 people. What's the odds of one being a Samaritan? Very, very, it could be very odd because he's right in the middle on the border. As they were walking, they realized, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, the spots are going away. God, I mean, I'm being healed. This is amazing. This is awesome. I'm gonna be able to see my wife and kids again. I'm gonna be able to go to church again. I'm gonna be able to worship again. And nine of them kept on going to the priest, and one of them ran back to Jesus. Why? Why did one turn around and come back? Why did one go on and do what Jesus said and go on to the priest? Well, a couple of things happened in this story. One, the Samaritan realized he was, he was healed, but two, he was the Samaritan. He didn't have to go to the priest. He wasn't under that law. The Jews had to go show themselves to the priest, but the Samaritan, he didn't have to go to the priest because the priest is what not reinstated him back into society. Jesus is. It's not religion that makes you right. It's Jesus that makes you right. And so many people are caught up in religion. If you tell people that I'm, I'm religious, you know what you just told people? You're in bondage. Do you know that religion comes from the word from bondage? Religion means you're in bondage to something. You're not religious. You have a relationship with Jesus. There's a big difference. So don't go around acting like you're religious. Go around and tell people you've got a relationship. And your relationship is with Jesus. You're not held in this bondage. He wasn't bound under Jewish law. He didn't have to go show himself to the priest. He actually became a priest by falling at the feet of Jesus and set and made an altar there and worshiped him. Listen, this season, here's what I want you to remember. Don't let someone sow a gift or a blessing into your life without reaping gratitude from you. So many of you are gonna get blessed and we've been blessed so much that when someone sows a blessing in our life, we should reap this gratitude that we should always be thankful. Here's the point I'm trying to make. We have the greatest reasons in the world as Christians to be grateful. We have the greatest reasons in the world as a Christian to be grateful. We had spiritual blessings beyond all the spiritual blessings that Ephesians says that we can imagine. We have the spiritual gifts that God's given us. We have been sealed by the Spirit of God. And watch this, we have been canceled out hell and guaranteed us heaven. We should be grateful. We have so much to be grateful for. No matter what's happened this year, no matter what's happened in our life, here's the point I'm trying to make. Stop seeing gratitude as an obligation that you have to do and start seeing gratitude as an opportunity that you get to do. See, so many times you think, well, I gotta be grateful because I'm a Christian. I don't wanna be grateful. Life ain't good right now. I didn't get to spend Thanksgiving with my family. I'm not grateful. I got, but I gotta be grateful because I'm a Christian. It's not an obligation. You don't got to, you get to. You get to be grateful in your life. Look at the different opportunities that we have to be grateful. We don't have to walk around in sackcloth and ashes. We don't have to be sad. We get to be grateful no matter what circumstances happen in our life. That is one of the marks of Christianity is that we're grateful people. We're hopeful people. We're passionate people. When the world looks at us and when the world is turned the back and the world is scared to death, we can sit here with confidence and faith and not fear. We have so many things and so many reasons to be grateful. As we want to complain all we want about 2020, but folks, we have so many reasons to be grateful. So we have to stop thinking about gratitude as a byproduct of our circumstances and start making gratitude a lifestyle. 
That we get to practice gratefulness every single day of our life, not just one time a year on Thanksgiving around a turkey and a fat-free chocolate pie. Am I preaching? That's the only time you want to be grateful? That's the only time you want to sit down with your family and say, now go around and everybody share your blessings. What are you grateful for? We should be doing it as the people of God and be grateful for all these things in our life because we have so many reasons why we shouldn't be grateful. Some of you, you're going through a bitter divorce or your parents got divorced and you're not grateful. Some of you lost your job. Some of you lost a loved one. Some of you lost your finances because you've, something happened in the economy in your life. Some of you can't be with your family over the holidays. And that stinks. I'm not making light of that. But there's joy that comes from just knowing that he knows me. There's something I can still be grateful for in my life. Even when my, when my whole life around me seems like it's going to hell, there's something in my life that I can be grateful for. And if you can't muster up anything because of all your circumstances, let me tell you one thing that you should be grateful for. He knows you. He knows your name. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. No matter what happens to you on earth, you get to spend eternity with Him in heaven. And listen, if my life sinks for the rest of my life, that is enough to make me grateful. We should be grateful people. We should run back to Him. I'm not going to wait for something to happen in my life to be grateful for. I'm not going to wait for 2021 to come just so I can start being thankful. I know, listen, I know we complain all the time we're not grateful. I know you don't have the job you want, but at least you have a job. I know you ain't driving the car you want to drive, but at least you're driving something. I mean, we have so much to be grateful for. We have so many things we can count our blessings for. We can thank God for our health. We can thank God we have breath. We can thank God for our family. We can thank God for food. Listen, if you have drinking water and shelter of your head, you're the top 25 wealthiest people on the planet. Grateful. What are you grateful for? Here's the problem. The problem is, is that we're all bent towards self-centeredness. We're all bent towards a lack of gratitude. We come out that way because sin is entering the world. If you don't believe me, wait till you have kids. Right? You'll know this. You'll get kids a gift for Christmas. Like, here you go. It's the best gift. You get an awesome, awesome, awesome. But I'm like, hey, what's the next one? Like, you ungrateful varmint. What are you doing? Come on, where's your gratitude? I want more, I want something else. Don't touch mine. Where does this self-centeredness come from? Well, sin has entered into the world. And because sin has entered into the world, it's affect everyone that's listen to it. When you give your life to Jesus, now all of a sudden the Spirit of God comes and lives with you. We should be the most grateful people on the planet. But we get so familiar sometimes with the blessings of God that we just take them for granted. Just like parents, you know, sometimes your kids get so for, so. Uh, take it for granted for all the blessings that you give them. And they take it for granted. We could get so, we could even take for granted what God's doing here at Better Life Church. Are you kidding me? This has been the craziest year ever. We seven months, we didn't meet in person and finally we started to meet back in person and all of a sudden COVID blew back up and, and everything happened and all this stuff and we got so many people watching online and thank you so much for meeting online. Some of you, you, you come out in person. Thank you so much for coming out in person. But we can sit there and go, man, this is kind of a year. This is kind of an anomaly. Let's just write this year off, Right? Are you keep listen to me, listen to me. Do you know last Sunday, we had three people give their life to Jesus last Sunday. We've been having first time guests show up like we've never seen them before, like people showing up for the very first time. 
right in the middle of a pandemic, right when things are about, right when, when you really, you know, kind of just kind of maybe just put church on hold for a while. See, we could take it for granted and not see what God is doing in front of us. For instance, you know, every year we do our year-end offering and we put in, if you're visiting with us, we do this every year. We think of organizations, we think of people to bless, we think of ministries that we, could, that we believe that God was up to doing something. This year in our communities between Grayson and Carter County and, and Round County in this region, there's so many nonprofit organizations that have got hit really hard with COVID and they're not able to even fulfill their ministries. They don't even fulfill their duties. They're, the budget is shot all the way down because they're, they're skimping on just a little bit of what they have. And we said, not on our watch. One thing I love about our church, we're about to celebrate 13 years in January. One of the things I love about our church more than anything else is we are the, one of the most generous churches I've ever been a part of in my entire life. And so we're gonna help these organizations, try to help them meet their budgets so they can continue to do their ministries here in our communities and in this region. We have some local missionaries. That may get hit hard. We're gonna help some local missionaries out here in our community that we can help them in great ways. We have some international ministries. We have some national ministries that have been hit hard. I mean, when I say hit hard, hit hard. And there's all these organizations. But let me tell you something. God has blessed our church. He's a blessing to our church. And we're gonna continue to practice what we believe that you just can't outgive God. And so we do this every year for visiting with us and stuff. So here's, what, here's been the formula every year. Here's what I've said for the last 13 years. You go home and pray. You listen to Jesus and you do what he tells you to do. Well, what if he tells you not to give nothing? Don't give nothing. You be obedient, right? Your faith comes from your being. Whatever Jesus, you just get before God and say, God, I wanna help out these. What do you want me to do? Whatever he tells you to do, you do it. That's been the strategy from day one for the last 13 years. Even when it comes to the facility, we didn't even do a building campaign. We didn't ask people to pledge over and over and over. I'm not anti-building campaigns, campaigns, we just didn't do it. What do we do? You go home and pray. You listen to Jesus and whatever he tells you to do, Lord, master, then you do it. And on December 13th, like we do every single year, we'll take up an offering and we're gonna do it to help these organizations and we're gonna bless them and we're gonna be a beacon to our communities because let me tell you what, we wanna bless the people around us, right? Because when we all win, we all be the blessing the people. Guess what? It helps continue to carry the mission. It helps advance the gospel and that's what we're all about. And so on December 13th, that's what we're gonna do. So what do you want me, how do you participate? Just go home and pray. God, what do you want me to do? And whatever he tells you to do, just listen to Jesus and do it. That's always been our strategy. Why? Because not only he's our savior, he's our master, and we need to listen to Jesus and do what he tells us to do. So verse 17, we're wrapping up here. Verse 17, Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other ones? Didn't I heal 10 of you? Why does only one come back? 100% mercy. 10% gratitude. Isn't that us? 100% God's mercy on us. That 10% of my life could be grateful. One out of the 10 comes back. 10 get a brand new body. One gets a brand new heart. Think about this. 10 experienced mercy but only one experienced grace. And listen to what it says in verse 18. Has no one returned to give glory to God except for this foreigner? Because Samaritans were far off from God. They consider foreigners. Remember, Samaritans and the Jews hated each other. There's a foreigner from another land. You mean my people, the Jews, don't even come back and are grateful and, and thankful 
But now there's a foreigner, a sinner, someone who is far off from God comes near. And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has saved you, has healed you, not only physically, but spiritually. You've been saved. And it was his gratitude that revealed his faith because he was thankful for what Jesus did in his life. Folks, listen to me. You have an, an incurable disease and it's called sin. You too, because of the sin, the disease in your life has made you far off from God, has made you a foreigner with no hope. But thanks be to God who sends his one and only son who would ever believe in him shall be saved and will never, ever perish spiritually. Can you be grateful? Because you may not have had leprosy, but you had something worse, your sin. And it separated you from God. And one day at revival, one day as a little girl at a church camp, one day at church in Sunday school, one day when the preacher gave the invitation, one day at a conference, God spoke to you. And you ran to him. And you built an altar at his feet. And you confessed your sins. And you looked up to him and you said, Lord, Master, forgive me. And at that very moment, guess what you experienced? Mercy. Grace. And you know what the problem is for most of us? We've gotten over that. You forgot once you was a foreigner. You forgot once you were far off. And now you have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. You've gotten over your salvation. Oh, you're thankful for the blessings. Thank you, Jesus. Once a year, Thanksgiving's here. But we should make this an, an attitude of gratitude that we practice gratefulness and never get over what Jesus has done for us. Once foreigners, but now family. One far off, now joint heirs with Jesus. We should never, ever get over that. Once an outcast, and now a son or a daughter. I have no idea what the rest of 2020 holds. But I promise you this, you have reasons to be grateful. And you have reasons to be thankful. And sometimes you just gotta stop right in the middle of the chaos, the bad news, the good news, and thank him. And your gratitude will reveal your faith. And when you begin to put your faith in the right place, I'm gonna talk about this in January, it can move mountains in your life. I'm gonna ask you just to bow your head just for a moment, both of our locations. 
as we're getting ready to celebrate communion together as a family to show that we're grateful, right? We're thankful and remember what Jesus done for us. But before we do that, there's a couple of things we wanna do. One, if there's anything right now between you and the Lord, according to the scripture, before we take communion together, you need to deal with that. Let me tell you a quick way to do it. Just say, God, is there anything in between me and you? And the moment the Holy Spirit points out something in your life, confess it. Don't argue with God. Don't try to justify it. Don't say, I have the right to do that. No, 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 no. Just say, God, is there anything between me and you right now? Because I want to celebrate with a pure heart. And if the Lord reveals something to you, confess it right now. Confess it. Just say, God, I confess that, that you're right, I'm wrong. Confess it. Second thing I want you to know, whether you're joining us online, you're at our Grayson campus or our Moorhead campus, is this. Communion for those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus. Communion is to celebrate what Jesus did for us and to put our hope in that he's going to return back to get us. And so one or two things needs to happen. One today, maybe the Lord has spoke to your heart and you realize I no longer wanna be a foreigner. I wanna be a part of the family of God. And I wanna encourage you right now that for you to give your life to Jesus. How do you do that? Well, the Bible says if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says you will be saved. So if that's you right now, cry out to him, just like these lepers did. Say, God, have mercy on me. Forgive me of my sin. I believe you came for me, I believe you died for me, and I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And if that is you, the Bible says this, you have been saved. And you get to celebrate not only with your family, but you get to celebrate communion to remind us what he did for us. And then the second thing is, if you're just here checking a God thing out and you don't really know yet if you believe and you just kind of stumbled upon this and started watching online and you just don't even know yet and you're just here because you told somebody on Thanksgiving weekend you'll come just because you need to come and okay, listen, if that's you and you're not ready to take that step of faith yet, then this... Bow your head and you don't have to take communion with us at this time. Because communion are for those who put their faith and trust in Jesus. Now, if you gave your life to Jesus, man, we wanna shout with you. We wanna know just like this leper came back praising God. We wanna praise God for what he did in your life. Just in a moment, there's a, you could text the BLC text line that text the word save. We let us know. You can tell us right now chatting online with us in our chat room. Let us know. Just say, hey, raise my hand. I gave my life to the Lord. We just want to know so we can celebrate. In front of you in your seat or under your seat should be one in place in front of you or under you is a communion cup looks like this, both of our locations. And what you could do is first is peel the top paper back, kind of gets to the wafer part. The second will get to the juice. And I'm gonna read you the scripture that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 
of kind of what we do and why we take communion together as a family. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. So Jesus told Paul to say this, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread and we have given thanks. Isn't it amazing? The night before Jesus is gonna be crucified, he's grateful. He knew it's coming. We have no idea what tomorrow holds. Tomorrow could be the best day of our life. Tomorrow could be the worst day of our life. And either way, today we can still be grateful. Jesus knew tomorrow he's gonna lay his life down for you. But he's still grateful. And he still gave thanks. He broke it and here's what he said. This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We take this wafer to remember that his body was broken on the cross for you and for me. In the same way he took the cup, also after supper, this cup, which was the third cup, there's actually four cups. Actually, there's a fifth cup. I'm gonna talk about that around Easter time. He took the third cup, which is the cup of redemption. So if you're taking the cedar and you're taking the Jewish custom, you have one cup and you drink the juice, second cup, you drink the juice. The third cup was a cup of redemption to remind how God delivered the Israelites from the Egyptians, how God sent Moses to deliver. And now the, the, the escape go, the blood over the doorpost escaped and saved us is a reminder of those moments. So if you put yourself back in that context, that's why when you take the third cup, you remember how that escape go, that the blood of that lamb protected you from the death. Now Jesus flips the script. And now Jesus says there's a new covenant. See, the word testament, New Testament, Old Testament means covenant. Old covenant, now there's the new covenant. There was the old covenant, but today, right here at this moment, the night before Jesus, he goes, I'm gonna issue a new covenant. And that new covenant is gonna be with my blood. Why? Because the Bible says there's no sins that can be forgiven without the remission or without the shedding of blood. So Jesus, knowing this, says in verse 25, in the same way he took the cup after supper and said, this is the new covenant. You remember you focused on how God released you from the Israelites. I'm about to release you, Egyptians. I'm about to release you from the greatest, sickest disease in your life, which was sin. This is the new cup, the new covenant in my blood. Do this as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often, I should state that, just some people have questioned, why don't we do communion every Sunday? Or why don't we do communion more often? Well, the scripture says, for as often as you take it. It's not a, it's not a prescription of when you take it. The early church did take it. They took it almost all the time they met and had broke bread together. At supper, they would do it throughout the week. The Bible says as often as you do it. There's not a commandment when you should do it. It just says as often, it's a description. As often as you decide to do it as a family, as the body of Christ, you do this in remembrance of me. So watch this, for as often as you eat this, verse 26, and you drink the cup, here's what you just did. You proclaimed. You just became an evangelist, right? You had proclamation. By doing this, you proclaim the Lord's death, that he died, and he got up out of the grave. Watch this until he comes back. And listen to me, he's coming back. He's coming back to get his church. 
And that is one of the promises that we can hold on and hold true to. Would you pray with me? Father, we're so grateful. We're so thankful for the many blessings that you've given us. We're thankful for our family. We're thankful for life. We're thankful for our community. We're thankful for our church family. We're thankful that we're alive today. We're thankful that we even get to take communion. We're thankful that we're worshiping online. God, we're thankful that we're worshiping in person. And no matter what the circumstances may be, we are a people who could be grateful in all things. We're not thankful for all things that come our way, but God, we are thankful in them. And I pray today, Father, that gratitude would overflow our hearts as we are reminded that you came for us, you died for us, and you got out of the grave for us. And at that very moment, when we put our faith and trust in you, you sealed us, you redeemed us, you cleansed us, you forgave us, and you adopted us into your family. And for that reason, we're grateful. And Father, we ask this in your son's name, the name that's above every single name. In Jesus' name. And all the grateful people said, Amen.